Welcome to the Strategies at Work podcast for April 2006. This episode is entitled Servant Leadership. Listen to how one CEO faced the daunting challenge of transforming his company from leading by greed and oppression to true servant leadership. I want to talk to you today about uh, a gentleman by the name of Dave Brown. Dave Brown was the president of Lens Crafters starting in about 1987 to about 1999. And Dave was a very typical man, very typical to all of us. He was a Christian, and he lived a very moral life and in many ways a very godly life as an individual. But when he went to work, work was a different animal. In fact, he said, I had a wall between work and my private life. And the things I did in my private life, I did not take over into my work life. And he lived that way for years. When he went to Lens Crafters and became the CEO, Lens Crafters was a company that was focused on growth. They were all about becoming the biggest, the greatest uh, super optical store in the world. In fact, they attained that, the, the status of being the largest optical store in the world in the early 90s. So basically, they had achieved their vision, and all the company was about was opening more stores, opening more stores, opening more stores, driving the numbers, driving the top line, driving the bottom line. Dave's management style, by his own admission, was what he called MBA standards, and MBA standards to him was similar to what uh, Chainsaw Al Dunlap practiced. How many of y'all remember Chainsaw? You know, some of you remember Chainsaw. Chainsaw was the poster boy of the business magazines in the early 90s. And the philosophy of Chainsaw was this. Number one, you be aloof. Number two, you are driven by the numbers. Number three, you take no prisoners. It's all about performance, results, get it done, no excuses. And at the end of the day, you have a trail of bodies behind you. And that's, that's pretty much the practice of Dave. Now, what this did to Dave was made him miserable. Now, this may be surprising when you, when you look at the financial statements of, of uh, Lenscrafter back in those days. They were good numbers. And the investors were very happy. They saw the growth in the number of stores, the growth in the sales, and growth in the bottom line. Everything's looking good, but Dave is miserable, and his employees are miserable. And they're miserable because this management style, this autocratic uh, management style of intimidation was just killing everybody. So Dave knew deep down in his heart, there's something really, really wrong with the way I'm running my business. This chainsaw Al Dunlap approach is not the way to go. It may look like the way to go. It has all the indications outwardly of being the right way to go, but, but you can't move forward long term with a morale problem in your company. And Dave knew he had a serious morale problem in his company. So Dave was really in a quandary. This is the early 90s. They've achieved what they thought they were going to be, the greatest, the biggest super optical store in the world. Now the company doesn't quite have vision anymore. The morale is in the tank. Dave is just wrestling with, what, what's, where's all this going? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to manage all this? So in the midst of this turmoil, he forces himself to go to a weekend Bible retreat. They went out into the country to one of these old campgrounds that's dusty and dirty and, you know, it's just a mess. I'm sure all of you have been to some of these camps that, you know, you wish, you know, I wish I'd never gone. 
And that's kind of where Day was. He literally made himself go, and then when he got there, he said, I wish I wasn't here. And then on Saturday, he's listening to a Bible teacher pontificate about the nuances from the Greek text. He said, the only sound I could hear was my head banging on the, on the table as I was nodding off to sleep. <clears throat> that was in the morning. Well, in the afternoon, he decided that he would take a walk out in the woods. So he took his Bible with him, and he goes out in the woods, and he is, uh, he's just there talking to the Lord. You ever done that? You just kind of walk around and just kind of mumble and say, you know, here's all my problems. You know, and he just started, the litany was long. And so he's just articulating all of his problems, and he sits down on this log, and, and his Bible just opens up to Matthew chapter 20. And he starts reading in Matthew chapter 20. And that's the story of the mother of James and John. Remember the mother? Mother of James and John comes, and she says to Jesus, um, When you become king, would you make my sons your, your chief deputies? One on the right hand, one on the left hand. And Jesus says, Well, that's really not within my authority to do. Furthermore, you need to understand something about me. I didn't come to be served. I come to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And when he read those words, he realized what Jesus was saying was Jesus was a servant. The leader was supposed to be a servant. And as soon as he read those words, it's just like the Holy Spirit just totally convicted him. My management style is all wrong. This autocratic uh, general patent approach to management is not consistent with what the Bible's teaching. Well, then he read on that the next story after that is the story about two blind men who Jesus encounters when he's leaving Jericho one day. And they're crying out to Jesus, as is so typical, the crowd around Jesus is trying to shut him up. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do? I love it when Jesus says things like that. It's like he doesn't know. He knew, he, he knew exactly what they wanted, but he's going to make them articulate it. So they said, we want to be able to see. And Jesus says, I can do that. So he gave them their sight. And he, as soon as he read that, that particular incident, he realized that sight, which is what LensCrafters is all about, is a gift from God. He said, wow, we have totally missed it. We have been driven by money. Everything is about money. And sight is really a gift from God, and money should be secondary. So he began to get a vision for a purpose for this company that was beyond being the biggest, beyond making the most money, beyond having the, the most number of stores. It was a vision for giving the gift of sight. So now, in that instant, in that, that afternoon, that visitation from God, that epiphany, as he called it, he suddenly had purpose for the company and a new leadership philosophy. Now the question is, what do you do once you've been convicted of that? You've got a public company that you're running. It's got shareholders. It's got employees. It's got a board of directors. You've got a management team. And they're all, they're all going one way, and you're fixing to call a halt and say, wait a minute, I want to go this other way. Now what do you do? If you were Dave and you had that epiphany experience, and you now see all the things that you've been doing wrong, and now you want to do things differently, what would you do? What would you do?
But let me tell you what he did. First thing he did was prayed. Because the first thing he had to pray for was courage. This, this is a tough deal. I mean, you got a company here that outwardly doesn't look broken. Now, he knows it's broken because he knows the morale's in the tank. His own morale's in the tank. And now he's had this epiphany, and he knows that his management style is bad, that he's got to adopt Jesus' management style of being a servant leader, which is, which is basically how Jesus applied love to leading an organization. This is what love looks like. If you're a leader of an organization, the way you express love is you serve those in your organization. So he looks at that, and he says, this is a daunting task. First thing I need is courage. And the next thing I need is wisdom. What do I do? How do I do this? So as he prayed and sought the Lord, is it surprising to you to know the Lord answered that prayer? And the Lord gave him wisdom. Here's what the Lord did. The Lord gave him what he calls the cycle of success. And the cycle of success is this. First, he realized that performance gave him flexibility. So as he thought about that, he says, well, we are performing well. We are growing. The numbers look good. Everybody's happy with us. Nobody is unhappy with us. And nobody knows that I'm getting ready to try to change this company. And they really don't care because I'm getting results. So he says, okay, results lead to flexibility. Flexibility gives me an opportunity to bring change. And what I want to do is I want to discern what I can do to better serve my customers and my employees. Because if I do that, if I can discern what to do to better serve them, that will produce better business. We will have a better business. It will be a better organization, which will produce better results, which again feeds our opportunity to be flexible. So God gave him this wonderful revelation of how to go about it. And he already had a foothold because he's starting out with a company that, in which he has flexibility. So with that understanding, he called together his senior leaders. And he comes clean. Can you imagine this scene here? Guys, I want to tell you something that happened to me a few weeks ago when I was out in the woods. And I was moaning and groaning and fussing at God. Okay? And God came to meet me that day. And let me read you this passage of scripture that I read that day. And let me tell you what it meant to me. So he starts a three-day strategic planning meeting with his personal testimony. Now, is it surprising to you that this led to some interesting conversations? This was quite interesting. That first day was, uh, in fact, there were heated conversations that first day. As they debated back and forth what this meant and, you know, what's this going to look like and, you know, how do, what are the implications relative to the company, its vision, its mission, and how are we going to function as leaders, and what's this look like? So that discussion went on for three days. At the end of the three days, much to Dave's surprise, he had unity. He had unity. The people, his management team came together and said, yes, we have a higher purpose than making money. Yeah, we got to make money. Every organization that exists has got to be profitable. That's a given. But I, the reason we exist is not to make money. It is to give the gift of sight. That is our vision. That is our enduring purpose. We are about giving the gift of sight. And we're, the way we're going to do that is we are going to become servant leaders 
just like Jesus. So that's how that strategic planning meeting ended. And they went back to the home office and they began to look at how to implement that. And they did some of the things that, that Kelly pointed out. They had to figure out how to measure this. So the first thing they did is they said, you know, we got to figure out how to connect with our customers. we got to find out how we're doing with our customers. So they instituted surveys. They literally had surveys in all of their stores. And the, the customers, when they came in, they were asked to complete the survey. And they began to get this feedback to find out what was going on in the stores. And they began to adjust their business model to accommodate the requests the customers were making to deal with the problems that the customers were citing. So that began to really work well. Then the next thing they had to do was the employees. Now, you can imagine if you've got bad, bad morale in a company, employees don't trust you. They're not real excited about hearing you about your epiphany. And you come to them talking to, to them about being a servant to them. They say, oh, really? Yeah, uh-huh. So we've got a sales job here to convince them that this management team has really changed. And they realized one of the ways to sell it was to begin to listen to the employees. What are the employees saying? So they began to be fanatical listeners going to everybody in the company. Tell us how you feel, how you think. Do you think that might be some testy conversations? There might be some days that Dave went back home saying, I don't know if I can keep this boat floating or not. Because there's some real unhappy people in this organization. So he continued to pray, Lord, give me courage to stay the course. Lord, give me wisdom to deal with these employees that are so unhappy. And I realize that I am the reason in many cases why they're so unhappy. So would you forgive me for all the ways I've abused them and mistreated them? So he continued his prayer and his continued his conversations. And as all this began to filter down and sift down to the bottom line, they realized that what they needed to do for their employees was to really give them clear boundaries, clear articulation of what they were supposed to do and how they would be rewarded. And so as they did this, they let the employees help shape this. This wasn't, again, this was not autocratic. He was going to listen and serve his employees. He took the assumption that their, his employees were God-gifted people. And most of them were there because they were supposed to be there. And the ones that weren't supposed to be there, he was trying to help them find where they were supposed to be. So as he began to work with them and develop the metrics for how to give them clear definition, they helped him do that. And so ultimately it boiled down to everybody went on to an incentive program, company-wide incentive program, and the incentive program was tied to the things that the employees could influence. Namely, if you were a manager in a particular store, what you could influence was your controllable expenses and your sales. That's what you could influence. The other thing that you could influence was your customer perspective. So those were the three major components that went into the incentive program that drove the level of bonus that each of the employees in that store would get. And so suddenly, employees could see, hey, I can control my own destiny to a large degree. I can determine, I could even calculate my bonus. 
I can figure it out because I know what the metric is. There's not some mysterious formula up in the executive office. You know, there's not some subjective thing going on here. This is an objective criteria that's been laid out and evaluated carefully and submitted to everybody in the company. Everybody's had a shot at it. And we as a team have figured out the best way to, to compensate our people. Furthermore, our people know what they have the privilege of doing, and they're given freedom within the boundaries of their job descriptions to go beyond, to go beyond what the company says is, quote, best practices. In fact, the employees get to define the best practices. Now, I'm not talking about a full democracy here. Dave wasn't going into that. Dave was definitely leading and shaping, and he certainly ruled out bad ideas, but he let his people talk to him, and he listened. Did you hear what I said? He listened. This is huge. You can be in a, a meeting, and somebody is in the meeting, but they're not listening to you, and you know what I mean. They're not with you. Dave learned to be with his people and to hear them, and so as he did that, they began to trust him, and they began to trust the team, and suddenly the inside of this company changed, and Dave was very fearful that this whole process was going to take a long time. He was stunned to discover it did not take a long time. It was just a matter of months. He thought it was going to be years. But in a matter of months, the morale of that company turned around. As a consequence, the company didn't miss miss a beat. In fact, the company began to do even better. The numbers improved. And so everybody on the outside, the board and the shareholders looking at this, said, hey, great, keep up the good work. They have no clue what's going on inside. Now, the customers begin to see things different because all of a sudden, the company cares about the customer. The employees, the morale is so much different because now they feel cared for. They feel loved. They feel valued, and they know what their boundaries are, and they have a say in determining the best practices of the company. Well, that's what Dave did, and that's how he turned this company around and it continued to grow and become one of the great, truly great companies in world history. In 1995, it was so outstanding, it was bought by a foreign conglomerate. It's now part of a big Italian company today. But that's what can happen to anybody that gets convicted of what it is to walk with God at work and to destroy that, that wall of dualism that is so prevalent in our society today that says that work is under a different set of rules from personal life. Personal life, yeah, we embrace God and we embrace the Bible and the principles of the Bible, but when it comes to work, the Bible doesn't have anything to say about work. What Dave Brown was convicted of and demonstrated was the Bible is very relevant to work. And it's when you adopt those principles and practice those principles at work that you take your company to a new level of excellence and success. So Dave Brown did it. That means you and I can do it. Now, each one of us has a different situation. You know, whether you're an interstate battery, you're in the construction business, or an engineer, you know, in the IT world, it doesn't matter what, what you do. You can choose to bring biblical reality to your work and to be a servant leader. You can choose to have a purpose beyond making money. You can choose to discover what God has put your organization there to do. Do you think your organization is there because you put it there? You, 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 you developed it, you made it, you formed it? 
It's there because God put it there, and you are simply the steward of it. And you got, I mean, that's a difficult concept for us because, you know, we, keep, we, we have this sense of ownership. I have a company, and what I ask the Lord to do every day is to show me how he wants me to steward his company. And that's a different perspective from talking about my company because I know that company doesn't exist if he doesn't want it to exist. So he's given me the charge to do something with it. So can I take the lessons from Dave, and can I learn to bring biblical reality to my company, and can I discern what the higher purpose is? Another thing that LensCrafters did was they really articulated to their people the importance of being part of the bigger community. They they instituted what they call the Gift of Sight program. And what that was is a program where they literally gave away eye exams and glasses to people that couldn't afford them. And they did this all over the world. And they, they encouraged their employees to be part of that, and they did not penalize their employees. You know, a lot of companies will say, okay, you can do that kind of stuff, but it's going to go against your expenses. You know, whatever it costs you, you know, that you hit your expense line. What LensCrafters did says that's off, that's off the expense line. It's, it's on, a, on another balance sheet or on an income statement somewhere else that does not impact your bonus because you have a heart to do it, and we're going to make it easy for you to do it. So suddenly people went to work feeling like proprietors. They could control their destiny and feeling like they could do more than just make money. They could go and give back to society. They could figure out what they were going to make. They could see the results of how they were treating their customers and see the results of their efforts in their paychecks every quarter. You think that might make for great morale? Oh, and another thing, when somebody made a mistake, they didn't get annihilated. In the old style, you know, made a mistake, you got shot. The new style was no. We, we all make mistakes. We're not, we don't want you to make mistakes. But if you make a mistake, what we want to do now is to learn from that mistake. It's what I call falling forward. If you're going to fall, fall forward. Don't fall backwards. You know, learn, grow from that mistake so the next time, hopefully you won't make the mistake. Or if you make the mistake, you'll grow from that even further. You always want to make every experience a growth experience. And that became the, the morale booster of the company was the fact you can now take a little bit of a risk because you knew what your boundaries were and you knew what you could and couldn't do and you were encouraged to be use your own initiative and your own creativity within those boundaries. And do you think that might be a pretty happy place to work? It became a wonderful place to work and that's why the company thrived the way it did. So Lord, give us the grace to hear the message of LensCrafters and to learn to bring biblical reality to our work. We hope you've been challenged by this podcast to consider biblical work principles in the workplace. For more information, visit strategieswork.com or to give feedback or sign up for our newsletter, please send an email to podcast at strategieswork.com. Thank you for joining us for this podcast and we look forward to seeing you next time.